Hey everyone, it's Naomi Sneakers and welcome to the Firecracker Department. Here we are, another week, another episode. What have you been up to these past weeks? What's the latest? You know, we've started a discussion the last Sunday of every month in our Firecracker Spark discussion with Deanna Moffat. Uh, and this month we are talking about what, what do you love about yourself? So what is it that you love about yourself these days? Let me know. Give me a tweet. Give me a email. Give me a something and let me know what's going on. Because, you know, Deanna and I were talking about this last month and it's a lot easier to say the things we don't love about ourselves. And then when somebody says, what do you like and or love? Boy, that's not easy. So give me some feedback. Uh, firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com if you want to drop me a line. What else have you been up to? It's been a busy couple of weeks for the firecracker department. I'm not going to lie. We launched the comedy department. And then the day after we launched this new chapter, the firecracker department with all the team members. And so we're really kicking it up for everybody. So join in, join in the discussion. This is what is really important to me is the community of the firecracker department that we continually grow this community. We've already talked about starting a chapter in England and New York and maybe Vancouver and Chicago. So for wherever you are listening to this, I hope you're starting a community of firecrackers and please reach out to me and let me know how I can help you because I feel like that's how it's going to be done. You know that the, you know, the expression, we're stronger together. I get it. I believe it, but let's actually do it. You know, it's actually one thing living it. And uh, I certainly feel it like just having the support of my team as we grow this community. It's uh, it's quite amazing. So wherever you are in the world, grab a firecracker, not an actual one, but OK, grab one of those and then send me a picture of firecrackers uniting. I'd love to see that. One of the things we are starting is firecracker adventures. So what's going to happen is uh, somebody will post on the private Facebook group or in the Twitter world or one of our social platforms. Hey, I'm going to go to this event, hashtag firecracker adventure. And then if you see it and you're like, I actually wanted to go to that event, but I didn't want to go by myself. Then you can reach out and say, hey, I'm going to go too. And we'll set up a meeting place. And if you wear like one of the firecracker pins or some swag or maybe just red, You'll be able to be spot is spotted. You'll be able to be spotted. Yeah, spotted in a crowd, and uh, you'll be able to unite as a team. And when you do that, send me a picture. Let me know what events, what adventures you're having as firecrackers. Because I think, gosh, we're online so much, right? And it would be nice to like sometimes reach out and be offline as a community. Plus, if you're ever in a new city and you're thinking, boy, I would really like to connect with some like-minded people. Let's do that. I'm so into building a community that is like easily one of my core beliefs as I, I don't know, as I grow into my role as the firecracker leader, but I really love the idea that people are coming together to share ideas. So bring it on. What, what do you got going on? Me? Oh, thanks for asking. <laughs> firecracker department's definitely taking up a lot of my creative brain right now. And I'm excited. I'm excited at what the potential and the possibilities are that are just around the corner with where this community is going to grow to. The other thing I have going on is my own acting career. So I've got some pokers in the fire with that. I'm pitching shows in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, that's taken lots of work, but I 
Love it. Here's the thing. My one, uh, I get to work with Matt Barham, who's my partner, and we do Barham and Sneakers, which is another podcast. Matt calls it the sister podcast, which I really like. Um, and we get to perform live and we're writing and we're recording comedy stuff. So it all balances out. And I think that's super important as you're growing as a creator, as an artist, how do you balance it all? Because I don't know if you're like me, but I spin a lot of plates and I do it because I get, I get not necessarily bored, but I get like, I hit walls. So I'm working on something, but this is me working on something. And then I'm like, oh, I don't want to work on this anymore. And I'll switch focuses. And that helps feed the things that I was blocked at. So I feel like one serves the other. How many plates do you all spin? I'd love to know about that. Give me a call. Give me a, give me a, a voicemail. Give me like a little MP3 of what you're doing these days. I would just love to connect with you on Twitter and Insta, Firecracker D-E-P-T, and uh, check out our website. Because really, this kind of thing can't be done alone. It really can't. As I said, I'm really into our community and the community we're growing, but can't do this by myself. It's because I have this kick-ass team of gals behind me that uh, are creating things like the newsletter and the comedy department and so many other offshoots of the firecracker department. So if you're thinking, oh, you know, I'd like to start this. What is it? A book, a play, a movie, a podcast, whatever it is. Find one other person, have a coffee and just start the discussion. Because I, I swear it's, it's two people together that start a group and then you're not alone creating. And it's way better. It's way stronger together. I, I just feel like we can move mountains by ourselves, but it's going to take a lot longer. I think that's a t-shirt somewhere, but I don't actually have the proof to tell you that it is. So if, if we're stronger together, that's definitely a t-shirt. And we can't move mountains by ourselves because it takes too long. Anyway, I have t-shirt expressions that really wrap around the whole body. My t-shirt will start at like the collar and then go round and round and round. Yeah, it's a big t-shirt. I so enjoyed talking to our next guest, Arwen Humphreys. Now you'll know Arwen from shows like Saving Hope and Rookie Blue and of course Murdoch Mysteries. Oh my God, she has been on the show, gosh, I think from season one. I should do a fact check on that, but she's incredible. And you're going to hear her story about how she got her role in that show and it's just an amazing story. I've known Arwen forever, just from the Toronto community. And she's one of those people I would see at an event or at a show, and I'd be like, oh, it's Arwen. And I, I always had like really great chats with her. And Firecrack Department has allowed me the um, reason to have further chats with people. So I called her up, we had this great chat, and you know, she's just such a dynamo. She's so passionate about what she's doing. She's also an artist. Oh, I have to ask her to share some of her artwork with us on, um, on the social media platforms, because she's just one of those people... She creates what seems to be effortlessly, but I know she works at her craft. I know she cares so much about it that she hones it. She, she gets coaching and, uh, I think she's just the best. So I really enjoy talking with her and, uh, now she's sort of my buddy, which is kind of nice. I see her at an event and we're like, oh, now we're buddies. It's the best. See what I mean? This firecracker community. It's growing and growing and growing. So have a little listen to Arwen Humphreys and I chat about everything to do with Arwen Humphreys. I just adore her. And I'm so glad you're available because I know you're super busy. So it's so great. I'm, yeah, I'm like, I have been super busy for the last little while, which has been awesome. Yeah. 
But uh, no, I've been, we're on. Are we on now? We're on. Okay. Yeah, no. So I have loved this podcast since the inception of it. I've loved the idea of it. And I've also, so when you asked me, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then I was, it's funny because then I got intimidated because that's as you do. Well, it's just as you do. I get it. I mean, you're ridiculous, but I also get it. Totally. It's just that, that weird neurotic mind world that we live in you mm-hmm. know what I mean it's like yay this is a wonderful thing and let's sabotage it with right. insecurity and am like, I good enough can I do this why me like yeah. I have like firecracker ladies that you'd be like oh my god those are like head of networks and people are going why would you want to talk to me <laughs> and I'm like what are you talking about you're yeah. incredible well that and the funny thing is is that then I decided uh, yesterday I was going to listen to a bunch of them because mm-hmm. I was like okay let's let's back this up with fact right like let's find out right. if everybody is right. so much more amazing than you right and in fact it's not true um, we're all kind of doing the same thing mm-hmm. and talking about the same things and actually at the end of listening to them I thought well isn't this awesome like this is my tribe yeah you know like and I yes. think as an actor um, as an actor and especially as a woman, um, uh, we have a way of speaking and of being that I think is why we become actors. And it was, do you understand what I'm saying? Maybe. Say, tell me more about that. Okay. So basically what it is, is like, as an actor, I have to be, there's a vulnerability I have to be able to tap into in order to, uh, to do my job essentially. And to basically be the person, like bring the audience into my world and out of their world, right? Yeah. To do that, though, there's, uh, like I was just saying, that neurotic mind world that we live in. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, my God. It's such a weird balance, right? Because you have to be so exposed Mm -hmm. and so guarded at the same time. Well, and and take care of yourself in a way. And so... So that you're not just like a ball of emotions going all over the place. Yeah, and then you're taking like all kinds of weird... Like, you you know, when I... uh, Heath Ledger is always somebody, even... He's not a woman, but I think about him because... He, uh, you know, was such an amazing actor, but had to do so much to keep himself level when he wasn't acting. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes, especially for me, has been something that I've had to work at is A, to be able to touch the vulnerability and B, to be able to go back in and say, okay, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay. But, you know, I think, well, without giving anything away, I think that sometimes as actors, we have to go to places. And I think, you know, when I left, I had to accept... Um, okay, you're really messed up right now because you've spent time in a place that isn't fun. And so I had to understand that for the rest of the day, my thinking was going to be off. And as an actor, again, um, I think that's such an important muscle to have, like to be able to say, I'm not going to be right today. So I just have to look at the world and understand that I'm not seeing it clearly. Right. So all that to, to say, getting back to my original point, is that when I listened to all of these women's voices, um, I was reminded that we're all just like kind of trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're mm-hmm. all kind of thinking the same thing. And it doesn't matter whether you're working all the time or you're working sporadically or you're auditioning, but you know, like whatever you're, wherever you are, we're all trying to do that. We're all like the craft. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're all start, we all started to do acting as a craft and yeah. suddenly business stuff starts in and then it's the balance. But nobody went, oh, I'd like to run a small business called Naomi Sneaker. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and would anybody like to buy shares in it? You know, well, it's not easy. That's the thing. I mean, I've been in this business now for uh, 24 years. On wow. and off. Wow. Yeah, it's a little known fact. I've been around for a long time. I mean, we've known each other for like yeah. 20 years. 
Yeah, at least, like, from improv days, probably. From theater sports at the Poor Alex. Yeah. And Second City. I was like... Did we ever do a show at theater sports? Like, I, I did, like, a blip there. Like, when I first got here, I was like, I gotta get involved. And yeah. I did a little bit of theater sports there. And at, the, it, at the Poor Alex? Yeah. Oh, well, then we definitely did. I mean, I don't but know... just a little bit. Like, I was sort of, like, dipped my toe into it. Right. Before Second City and stuff like that. Um. Yeah, I mean, probably, because I was, like... I was there pretty much from the word go. Yeah. And I was there, like, that was my Tuesday night. Yeah. Was, I like, booked Albert it up. Albert Howell. Oh, my God. Albert and Peter Oldring and Pat Kelly. Mm. And you know what I love about that time specifically is there was a real unity. And I don't know the comedy scene now, so I'm not, I'm not making... But from my experience, mm-hmm. the thing that was great, there was this wonderful unity. Like, there was a time in my life... Uh, at that time where I was either doing a show or watching a show and everybody was doing the same thing yeah you're doing shows watching shows doing so it's like this constant thing where you knew that even if you were playing a club and like no one was there there was like 15 people there that you knew that were like you know yeah that that, absolutely still happens mm -hmm. but like for that generation like the Mm -hmm. 2030s I guess like I mean, we were doing that in our 30s still. We were doing a sh- two shows a week, and then we'd just hang out at the comedy bar or yeah. Bad Dog or um, Bread and Circus when that was still around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you, let's just go back for a yeah. second, because you, you're from, you grew up in Toronto, right? I did. And yeah. were you born here? Yeah. And siblings? and Yeah. Uh, I'm a, I call myself a Toronto townie, because this really is my town. Yeah. Like, there's, um, uh, I'm dating someone right now who's uh, not uh, from Toronto, and uh and I, every area we go into, I'm talking, I'm like, do you mind? This is like Arwen's, like I'm the, a tour guide of my own life, yeah. you know, in the city. So yeah, I've done everything here. <laughs> I've done everything here. Yeah. Um, I mean... But your mom's British, right? My mom's British, but I'm, my mom's family moved here, so... I'm like third generation Canadian on my mom's side, okay. but I'm only second generation... No, I'm first generation Canadian on my dad's side, because oh. my dad... My dad immigrated here when he was in his teens and from England. He from? from England, yeah, and yeah. So because my mom's British too, so we oh really? We have a whole bunch of weird things in common. I found out really, yeah, like, like what? Well, the story that you told me off mic about stealing your parents' car for a yeah. <laughs> we both yes, did that. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. British uh, yeah. parents, where, where were your folks from? My dad is from Swindon, which is in Yorkshire. Yeah. Why do I know Swindon? Is that? Yeah. Okay. And my mom's family, I believe, is London. So this is actually kind of cool bad. Um, My uh, great-grandparents owned a tea plantation in India. Wow. Yeah. Cool bad. Cool bad, right? (laughs) Right, right, right. So they had... We have a picture of a... um, a cherished, uh, uh, there's a picture of a cherished um, servant. Uh-huh. Um, they were paid, but it was g- good, bad. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's just a sort of, and then they actually lost their money in the Depression, and that's how they moved, why they moved to Canada. Interesting. Yeah. So. Um, so you're like a true and true Torontonian. Oh, yeah. And so, sorry, I cut you off from siblings. How many brothers and sisters do you have? So, see, this is the thing with me. I can, I'm so bad I love that I feel like these are facts that normally, like, if you were like, where you, where's your mom from? I'd be like, Manchester. How many siblings? Like, one brother. And each one, you're like, that's interesting. <laughs> well, I hope it's interesting. I don't know. I think it's like, I mean, I, I don't, it's hard for me to answer questions, like, just say, Swindon. Like, do mm. what you just did? Virtually impossible for me to do. Because it's such vagaries around it? Well, there's just, I think, 
I think I'm a, uh, at my root, I'm a storyteller. But right. yeah, so uh, all that. Family? Family. So I have three sisters. Um, I call my, us the poshest hillbillies because uh, my youngest sister and I are from my dad's second marriage. My second eldest sister is from my dad's first marriage. And then I found out I had another sister 20 years ago. See? <laughs> yeah, so I found out I had another sister 20 years ago. Um, she was adopted in Denmark. So oh she's actually Danish. God. And um, she comes and visits. I haven't been there yet, and I know I know I should go. I have someone who lives in Copenhagen. And she actually lives in Christiania, which is this part of Copenhagen that was like a hippie commune and then yeah so it's not commune but it was it was the place that you went to where everything was illegal was legal right you know okay yeah and uh, off the grid mm -hmm. but um, 20 years ago you find out you have this other sister yeah so there is there anybody that is like your sibling from the same parents yeah my youngest sister okay yeah and she's she's one i'm closest to for sure that's wild i mean it's not you know, 50 years ago, be like, scandal! But yeah. nowadays, it's like, yeah, who else? Who doesn't have that kind of well, yeah. makeup of family? It is. I, I think there's um, there's all kinds of... Um, yeah, families are... are not, I think the concept of family is completely different from what it was. 100%. You know? And there's a lot of people who, who have to redefine what family is because of, you know, the relationship they have. There's this uh, saying that I'm not a huge fan of, but I do understand. It's like that thing, trying to be understanding within your own judgment but it's family of origin like I have a family of origin right. yeah and then I have the family that I've created yeah right like your friends and your totally yeah. your friends your partner um your kids like you know whatever um but in my case um yeah it wasn't really a shock if you want to know the truth I remember finding out and thinking oh that makes sense it was yeah. such a strange thing I didn't have like a <gasps> it, well I mean obviously it was very strange but my younger sister and I, the night that I found out, I went to my mom's and uh, my sister, younger sister came in and I told her and she said, it just feels like a piece of the puzzle has just slipped into place. Yeah. And it's always felt that way. Like she even has, it's such an amazing thing with nature versus nurture because she even has little things like when she, when I get stressed out, so now you'll know this if we're ever anywhere, yeah. I go like this, like, okay. Oh, not like, good for just, mascara though. No, well, you know, that's why, you, you know, mascara, start of the forehead, start of the forehead. There's all kinds of tips, tricks I've got, we all have for like, or, you know, if I have all makeups, like, oh, but whatever the point is of what I'm doing right now is I'm pressing my face back into I mean, a we'll, facelift. we'll put in a little how-to video. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. I'll sure. show everyone. This is yeah. how you manage, Listeners. and also it gives you a youthful look. So <laughs> pull everything back as you do it. Um, but she does it too. No, the same that's way that so I do interesting. It. Yeah, and it was just when we found that, when we saw that, because I met her about two years after we found Love out about stuff her. stuff like that. Yeah, it was so cool. Yeah. So, yeah, so three sisters in total. I had a similar thing with my grandmother where when we went to um, Lithuania, so I'm Lithuanian mm. British, and okay. uh, saw pictures of her, and we do the same thing, like we pose the same way when we're thinking about something, like she'll do this, and it's yeah. exactly the same. That was kind of cool. And the other thing is when you said, like, the piece of the puzzle, like my mom has dementia, so I kind of think, like, I've always thought that I've got a sibling out there. Really? I just have this feeling. I just, it wouldn't surprise me if I read her journal and it'd be like, oh, but like, I'll, I'll never know now. Huh. So that's kind of, unless, I mean, who knows how I would find out, but, uh, but yeah, I, I get that feeling very, very clearly. Yeah. Just that sense that you're connected to a person yeah. without 
knowing. I don't know. But that, or, or just that, that feeling like you're work. Like I'm a big believer in energy, right? Yeah. So it's that that energetic feeling of like there's a like a, a click. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so okay. So yeah. Back on okay. track. So you're so you're growing up in Toronto. Yeah. You're a middle. Did you say you're middle child? Yeah, middle to the power of middle. Yeah. But you didn't know you're a middle child. No, and, I've always been the middle child. Like I've oh, right, the sister and the younger sister. Later. That's right. And then, so were your parents artistic? Like, what drew you into acting? Oh, that's good. Um, my dad, absolutely. I come from I come from a family where when I said I was going to be an actor, there was like a okay, you oh, know yeah. what I mean? No like pushback. Was, no, not none whatsoever. Like the only pushback I had, I wanted. So I've always wanted to perform, and that started with ballet when I was mm-hmm. or ballet when I was um, six. Yeah, and I took that for seven years. And in between that, though, I did my first play when I was 10. And Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Yes! I was grumpy. I was dog! I'm telling you, the first oh show God. I ever did. Me too! I know. Oh my God! Wearing my father's boots <gasps> and his big, like, turtleneck and then dark eyebrows. No way. So my eyes would pop. Yeah. Oh my God! Isn't that crazy? I think that's amazing. You're like the only fellow Snow Whiter. I know. Like, that's amazing. Which, which, which dwarf were you? I was Doc. I was the lead dwarf. I was I, the third lead. I was number three on the call sheet. <laughs> I was grumpy, but they took all the um, names out, so we were all just dwarf numbers, oh. because they didn't want to, like, I think if somebody was like, oh, there's grumpy sneakers, and then oh. I get, like, bullied in school. Oh, that's, well, anyway. that's really nice. We all had our names. And I, yeah, I was the only kid... Who had a lead part whose mom wasn't on the PTA. Oh. So it was a big coup when I So is that when was I it political it. with your mom like in not in the PTA? Did it have um, to be like I think it was Did she slip a fiver and be like, get my daughter a good part? No, I I think I think I uh, also got some natural talent. Yeah. And uh, I think also, um no, I don't know. I, they just did. Um and I mean in terms of my mom not being in the PTA, I think that was a um, you know, I think everyone has this this feeling of feeling separate. You know what I mean? Like I am my own. Like that. Um, you know, insecurities. Mm. Like uh, ever since I was a kid, I remember the feeling of of not being good enough. Right? And really? So, oh yeah. Like, what, tell me about that because I always thought that just um, arrived later in our adult life. Well, I can understand why for some that would be that me. I mean, I've I've done sort of extensive work on me over the years and it's as you do yeah because you got stuff because <laughs> right. there comes a point where the world is a wee bit too painful yeah um so I, I remember I was just constantly I didn't feel good enough and I think partially because I had these artistic British very I grew up in a very British household um like we watched Monty Python and right. Doctor Who yeah. and, and all the things that are cool now like I would have thrived as a teenager in, in this time right in the 80s my name was Arwen not Megan or Ashley or oh Jennifer God. and so and I went to a school where there was a lot of Megans and Ashleys and Jennifers and I just didn't quite fit Naomi I ne- not easy not no yeah, we not were easy. like um, exotic like in not a great way no like yeah exactly in not a good way like yeah. Lord of the Rings hadn't really Lord of the Rings was this was equated to Dungeons and Dragons, right. which is, is now cool in right. the eighties. Not so much, right. or maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm not a teenager, but the point is, is that um, 
and because I had artistic parents, um, my now they did do like my mom was an editor for the Ryerson Rambler, which was Ryerson's alumni magazine Amazing. for many years. And my dad was one of the first people to get into computers in a big way. And he ended up doing a project for the government where he started bringing commuter, uh, computers into rural communities. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, but at the same time, my grandmother, my grandmother actually did radio shows for the CBC. So I'm like, so it was generation. in your wheelhouse. It wasn't 100%. like a departure from your family. No, that's what I mean. So when I said, you know, I want to be an actor, the only pushback I got was my mom was like, if you still want to be an actor when you're 18, then go right ahead. But oh. I'm not going to have you do it. Yeah. It's your career. It's yeah. not, I'm not going to take it on. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I, 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 I've always known, like, it's never been a debate for me. And I'm also incredibly fortunate in that um, getting into the industry has never been difficult for me. That's like, incredible. Yeah. I read, but I read somewhere that you took um, 20 years off. No, I took, well, so when I was 20, I was given this business. I was given this career. In, and, what, uh, in what form? Well, I was in a community theater um, show yeah. and an agent came to see me and she was like, oh my God, I have to take you on right now. She paid for my pictures with David Lays when he was first what? starting. Yeah. Like, Wait, what was the play that you're in? Oh, see, oh, this is also a good challenge to your own fact check. It's oh, fact oh, check. oh, like a wake or something? Uh, okay. Wake, wake. It was called Wake. And what it was was a, I played um, the daughter of the funeral director at a funeral home, and a woman was there for a funeral. Okay. And we had this 20-minute conversation, and I'm a, I was a very uh, strange gal. And there's this whole part where I start talking about food, and it was like solid paragraph of, and I like this, and I like that, and I like this, and I just kind of went off into this. But it was like a joyful place. It wasn't yeah. a weird place. It was like, and I think about this, you know. Anyway, this agent saw me and was like, oh, my gosh. Gotta have you. I sent me to David Lace to get pictures. She said, I'll pay for it. I know you're going to book. And I was like, well, okay. So I started auditioning. And my first job was for a CBC show called Straight Up, which was based on a documentary called Talk 16. Okay. Um, oh, so yeah. I remember Talk 16. Do you remember that? It was following 16-year-olds yeah. Six, around? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they made a CBC show called Straight Up, and Sarah Polly was in it. Right. And uh, mm, that was my first principal role. And I did that, and um, that paid for my pictures. And then I did, I did Jonavision. He used With to have Jonathan skits at the Torrance. beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I did two of those, and I did Kung Fu: The Legend Continues. Wow. And then what happened was um, my agent started saying you need to take classes. Yeah. And you see, I'd been it's running. Strange, them. right? When you get it handed to you that easily, and then. Yeah suddenly you wake up and you're like, wait a second, it's not always going to be like this? Yeah, well then, because I needed to kind of deepen my performance. Sure. I was running on sort of, and, you know, I don't... But you were running on instincts. I was running but on instincts. But that's not necessarily bad. Like, it's funny because maybe your instincts were so great. My instincts were good, yeah. obviously. I think it's just, um, and my comedic instincts have always been pretty strong. Like, I grew up in a family, again, we used to watch Monty Python right. and um, all kinds of, of uh, Benny Hill, which... I just, I didn't, never really liked. Um, 
because I was way too young for that yeah. humor. What? Like, I never understood it. I never understood why boobs were so funny. It, I was going to say that. I didn't want to. But it was. <laughs> it was like, all I really remember is him running down the street chasing a woman who's yeah. half naked. And yeah. I was like, nine going, like, I don't. And why this? It's like so 80s. Didn't get it. Like, can yeah. you imagine? Not now. No. Not Benny now. Hill is like, how, how come he hasn't come forward? <laughs> yeah, like, seriously. Um... um all right, so comedy was easy yeah. for you too. And so I was running on instinct, and then um, is this when you were eighteen? Uh, this is when I was in my early twenties. Okay, and then um, she wanted me to take classes, and I at that time didn't understand that learning is not about being stupid, it's and getting smart. Um, it, like now I understand that learning is is to be teachable is an amazing thing to have. At that right. time, I saw learning as you're stupid. Like, I didn't want anyone oh, yeah. to see me as being stupid. I think I wasn't uh, expressing myself yeah. well there. But No, it wasn't, like, so that you could improve. It was that you could um, deepen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I didn't see it that way. Like, I saw it as if I take a class and they're going to find out I don't know what I'm doing. Right. right. So, um, and then around that time I started working in the restaurant industry and I discovered partying and I discovered the club scene and, um, being a party girl and all of that sort of within a very short period of time acting just didn't, out of fear acting became just a secondary thought and partying became my number one in that time was when I started doing comedy. So I was always had a toe in, but I was at that time not pursuing it as a career. And that was really my twenties was just sort of like struggling, trying to get myself back together and not being able to. And then, um, I had a kind of crappy agent. And then in my, when I turned 30, I decided to, I knew it was time. Well, I felt I was over the hill, so it was time yeah. to stop partying. And uh, <laughs> right. Mm. But in your party days, were you like? I mean, it's easier, right? It's a way easier thing to party because yeah. I think it's really easy to be good at that. Well, and all, yeah, <laughs> you know, as opposed to like putting yourself in front of an audience in any form, which is really nerve wracking and scary and all that. A hundred percent. So, did you have like um, a group of friends that sort of pulled you away from acting? No, no, no. This was me generated. Yeah. There wasn't... I didn't fall in with the bad crowd. I was the bad crowd. Like, I was... was, Right. You know, um, I was... uh, You know, just that became paramount. Um, Can you see anything, like, of that time that was valuable? Because I can't believe... You know, like, when we look back on our life, I don't really have any regrets, mm because even the worst things that have happened to me, I go, well, it's led me here. Mm -hmm. So maybe in your 20s, you feel like you weren't focused on your acting career, but it must have given you something positive. Well, yeah. I mean, there's... The only words popping into my head is, like, a whole world of darkness I can explore, Mm -hmm. which... um, I was actually talking to my agent about this yesterday and he was saying, well, you don't think you can play wholesome. And I'm like, not really, because I have this dark quality Mm. that, um, would make it really difficult. Like I'd have to be, I'm not that good. You know what I mean? Like I'd have to like bounce. It's hard for me not to bring, like even I was saying that Margaret is probably the most wholesome I've ever been, but she's got a criminal past. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, she's a tough cookie. There's no, no pushing her around. Either. No. It's not like she's unaware or innocent. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. I, I guess I equate being wholesome with innocent. I just... I, 
That's a really interesting question. Like, could you ever go back, right? Because all our acting career, you, I always, like, crave a depth to mm-hmm. pull on, right? So, like, having life experience gives you that depth. And then getting to a point, can you remember what it's like to be wholesome? Yeah. Because we need that as well. But did you... Okay, so that's interesting. So when you were growing up, did you... Do you feel you were wholesome growing up and then life came along and taught you differently 100% you think don't you yeah. feel like that um or you feel like you were always world um savvy not world savvy I think um for me you know it, like I was saying earlier that feeling of not being good enough kind of pervaded yeah. my childhood and then oh and sorry I should probably mention this my dad got sick and died <laughs> that could have some yeah, no, I mean, that's Sorry. Right. When did that happen? What year? <laughs> I love it. I love Sorry. It. So, yeah. how, how, how old were you when, so, you when your father passed away? Well, you see, it's more to the point is my dad got sick when I was nine. Right. So, and then he died when I was 15. Right, so, so that takes an innocence away. Totally. Yeah. Because I spent, and it actually took, I'm not kidding, like 10 years of therapy to all of a sudden one day realize, to go, oh, my dad was sick for half my childhood. Yeah. That affected me. And my therapist was like, yeah. Yeah. But it, it, I'm glad that it, this is why, you know, therapy can be so great because you get these crazy epiphanies and you're like, my whole life explained. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's actually wonderful. Like, it was a wonderful thing for me to realize that my father's dying affected... I'd always thought my father's death had affected me. But to see a parent get sicker and sicker and sicker and it started with high blood pressure and then it was oh god high blood pressure and then he got angina and I mean he had a transitory stroke on my 13th birthday so which is basically your body saying like get it together because otherwise the big one's coming so he was in the hospital on my 13th birthday and then from that point forward um, having an ambulance coming to my my dad uh, my home was not unusual right and, um, so, yeah, and sometimes it takes some distance to be like, oh, not every child grew up like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is the abnormal becomes normal. Yeah. Right? So, um, you know, I remember I was talking to Natalie, you know Natalie, yeah. oh, and she says hi. I was telling her I was going to be on this. Yeah, so anyway, I was talking to Nat years ago, and I said, well, you know, based on my behavior when I was younger, like, by rights, I should be dead or institutionalized, and I just kind of threw it out there, and she looked at me, and I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, because, again, I think when you've lived, you've lived the darker side, it it becomes, and you've come out of it, um, it becomes... How do I put it? It's like, I think that's why I was like, oh yeah, my dad died. Because it's, again, I guess it's the abnormal becomes normal and it almost becomes, not inspiration, but um, something that, uh, I embrace it. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I mean? Like we were Mm -hmm. saying about regrets before. I embrace who I was in my 20s. I embrace the fact that I spent half my childhood with my dad sick. Um, and then he got, and then my grandfather died and then he went into ICU that night cause he had a, a massive heart attack and he'd already been in the hospital. And then, then we basically, uh, yeah, a friend of mine's father died recently and he, it took a while. And, and I said, you know, it's been almost 30 years since he died and I still remember the smell of the ICU. I still remember what it looked like. I still like even 
remember walking into the room and just seeing him and it's it's um yeah mm-hmm. it's just something you know it's hard it's it's just yeah no I mean all you know, these things inform us <clears throat> it's like a it's like we're building our own scrapbook or something yeah and how did that how, did, how do you think that changed you right? watching him and having him pass away uh how did it change me well, I guess looking back on it, I mean, my mom did an amazing job because she was left with two very angry, an angry teenager and an angry almost teenager. Right. And she did her damnedest with us. Like, yeah. And it's like I was saying earlier, I had kind of a dark teenage years because it changed me in that... I think I lost... I don't even want... I don't like saying lost... I think I, I think, I don't, uh, security, safety, mm-hmm. um, you know. Yeah, because there's no certainty after something like that. Happens, Whereas, yeah. like, most people have their childhood going, I know a couple things for sure. Yeah. My parents. Exactly. Are a security for me. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was just thinking, that's exactly it. I, I didn't feel, um, uh, my dad was a big personality, and... I remember there were self-righteous feelings I used to have, which I no longer had, if that makes sense. Not Mm -hmm. that I'm saying self-righteous is a good thing, but it was sort of like, there were things in my, like, yeah, I just, that feeling of being not a part of was even uh, bigger, you know, Um, and just seeing my friends with their dads and then going into our teens, and I mean, what a crap time to lose a father. It's like, because I had no father figure, and I... Strangely, I have no animosity. I had a, a few uncles. One uncle tried with me. He, he tried to reform me, and I'm not reform. Oh, because I was this awful teenager, and I spent um, when I was 16. I left. I ran away from home basically, and I spent a summer in just couch surfing. Yeah. And so I had an uncle who my mom didn't want me back at home. And so my uncle said, well, I'll take her. And I think his thought was to get me out of the scene, to get me out of... I had fallen in with a bad crowd, right. and to get me out of all of that. And so I went and lived in Brampton. <laughs> in Brampton. Yeah, that's where you get reformation, for, for <laughs> yeah, sure. Totally. Yeah. And uh, I went there for four months. And funnily enough, I did a play while I was up there. You know, because yeah. never, I've never been far away from acting. I can't... Yeah. I mean, it's... Like, these stories, they're not... It's not unique, right? Like, like you're not the only one who's dealt with darkness in your no, childhood right that, like you know what I mean and, and it's it's how it's what we take from it and so sometimes I think like you know like the the path that you went on when you were 20 like what were you what were you replacing or what were you searching for at that time I think I, I've all I think it's like a, a hole that I had that I needed to fill you know what I mean so like missing your pop and missing my dad and yeah. and again it's I think psychically um, and yes, and by the way, yes, I I do not feel that I'm unique. I am a woman walking amongst people. And, and I say that in a positive way. I'm not totally. saying like you're not unique. Like, <laughs> you're a very you're a unique one of a kind yeah. person, absolutely. 100%. But like in this case, like there's so many things, and I recognize this from the feedback that we get from doing these podcasts. How many mm-hmm. people are like, oh my god, that story I really related to, and how many people go connect to these stories you totally. know what I mean as opposed to going I am existing through something that nobody else has done which and feels I, really isolating I think connection I think that when I was partying I felt connected yeah so I yeah. think that that was the thing like when I was I'm just gonna say partying and 
Y'all can insert whatever you whatever feel like. Whatever it is. But uh, when I was in that state, I felt connected. Yeah. And I felt a part of, and I felt fearless. And, um, like, you know, I used to go to the front of lines at clubs and be like, you know who I am, just let me in. Oh and God. they would. Yeah. Because it was weird how you can kind of do that sometimes. And uh, be manipulative. But what power, right? Yeah. yeah. And I felt powerful. Like, I still remember... You know, I'd had a few drinks, and um, I, I'd have my heels on, and I'd be walking through the club, and it was like, boof, boof, and just that feeling of, like, I'm invincible. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the thing that I liked about that, was that it gave me that. And then eventually, because as you descend, it de- you're trying to get that feeling again and again, and it no longer works for you, and then you try doing other things to be able to get that feeling, and they work for a little while, and then that doesn't work for you, and it goes on and on, and then... I'm really fortunate in that um, just as I was on the precipice of it getting like bad, bad, I was pulled up and I was able to put myself back together. Yeah. Um, What was that moment? What was the tipping point to get you back? I think it was the sudden realization that if I didn't stop, everything would stay the same. And it was awful. Right. Like, no, I tried everything in my power to stop it all and then there was this sudden realization I remember it was like there was no sort of it wasn't a victim moment I mean many times I've been like I need help Mm. I need help oh god help me and then there was this all of a sudden just this deep awareness that um it was never going to change it's not that you changed it unless I changed it and then I went and I got help and and um like I haven't done it on my own at all and I um when I was saying earlier, there's, I believe, an energy that that is part of why I'm able to now feel connected. And when I don't feel connected, I feel like there's a source that I can tap into. Right. And that when I do tap into that source, I do feel that sense of being complete and whole. And more to the point, it's less about being invincible and powerful. And it's more about being grounded, you know, and yeah. here and yes. present and around. And in terms of the work that I do... Um, like since, so, uh, I got, I, I stopped doing that stuff when I was 30 and, um, I, again, super fortunate. I met someone who helped me get back into the industry. He was connected within the industry and he said, I'm going to help you. Um, and so he helped me get an agent at characters. Right. And then I met Donna at characters who heard my voice and said, Oh my God, you've got to do voice work. And she was amazing. I ended up going to ETM, but Donna, Love you know, her. she's yeah. amazing. And, uh, so I was at characters and then all of a sudden my unicorn called Murdoch mysteries came along. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And then all of this stuff started to happen. And it's funny because all the things that I was trying to achieve and not coming even close in my twenties, once I stopped pursuing this idea of what I thought it should be, all of a sudden it was like, um, you actually read a comment I wrote when you said, when it was, uh, what would you tell your younger self? Oh, yeah. I'm that person. I'm not going to say what it is because that's my uh, Facebook. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. But uh, the, you, when I said, you're not going to believe what's going to happen. Yeah. That was me. Because I love that. there was, when I was, you know, when younger self, I'm thinking of 13-year-old me and I was in grade eight. I loved Michael Flynn. It's like a whole diary. Okay. Of I apologize. I found that diary and immediately apologized to my mother. I was like, I'm so sorry. I understand why I needed that sort of obsession because my dad was really sick at that point. Yeah. And uh, 
And I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, you know, I'd love to tell that girl, like, you know, the 15-year-old who was hanging out with not very nice people and, and the person in her 20s, you're not going to believe what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You're not going to believe it. It's going to, it's just going to blow your mind. Yeah. Yeah, so... So what do you equate, because it feels like there's been two waves, like, when you first started in acting, all these things were just given to you, mm-hmm. and then you got, n- not off track necessarily, you just took a different route for yep. a while, and then Murdoch and all these things can't happen, and another round of gifts happened to you. 100%. So, as far as, like, the passing of energy goes, like, how do you, what do you equate that to? Like, were you just ready I must you know what I mean? Been. Like I look at back and I'm like, when I had success, like I don't, I don't have any answers because if <laughs> I did, I'd be like, I'm going to do that again. <laughs> right? What was the formula? I but don't I, think there is one. I, I think either. you do the footwork, and it's about flow. I mean, not to sound flaky, but it's about flow. Right. And I'm a uh, uh, also a big believer in, in if you keep walking against, you're trying to pursue something and it's just not working and it's yeah. not working, it's not working. Walk away. Yeah. Why would I? Why would I continue to do that? I mean, it's one thing to be like I was reading about um, Inschoy. Inschoy. All the theater companies had rejected his yeah. his script, and then um, so he did it at the Fringe. And in that instance, um, I don't feel like that's. Because he was kept pursuing the options, and eventually an option gave way, which was the Fringe Festival, mm-hmm. and that led to everything, yeah. right? So that's what I mean. It's like, it doesn't mean don't try, but there has to come a point where you're like, okay, I surrender. Like, this isn't working. It's like I was saying, like, the, the partying thing. Okay, I surrender. This isn't working for me anymore, you know? Yeah. And so, as a, you know, for me as an actor, every time that I've been like, okay, I'm ready to do this, or something in me has been ready to do this, it's happened. But that being said, it's not to say that it's not, that it's been easy. Yeah. Like, I've had Murdoch, but, I mean, um, I have worked my way through huge anxiety around auditions, which, you know, we all get, but, I mean, like fight or flight feelings right like when I auditioned for Margaret it was three lines and two of them were words and to be perfectly honest with you at that time I was so petrified in audition rooms that was about all I could do right with that before completely losing my mind I mean in the last um while I've worked through I my I had panic attacks when I was 13 they came back when I was in the last little not now I mean it's and that I've worked through like what do those look like for you your panic attacks breathing stuff uh, not just breathing like I had a really bad one once and both my arms went numb oh my god that must have been terrifying yeah and I couldn't breathe and you want to hear okay this is a pretty cool story I think so I was getting these panic attacks and getting in I was going to therapy and, and I mean you know I was working with uh, Ray Ellen Bodie yeah okay and and that she, was your voice coach my right? voice for, coach for Murdoch stuff yeah, yeah she was initially like I was doing privates with her all the time to just like get ready and and learn about backstory and you know learn about Margaret and create Margaret and all that kind of stuff and I was taking, oh my gosh, I was taking John Riven as class, his Meisner class, and like, holy crap, that was not good for my anxiety. But I did it for a year. I muscled my way through that for a year, and then after a year, I was like, I just, I can't, I can't, it's too much. Yeah. And, um... Like, what was too much about it, that it was just calling up too much stuff for you? Yeah. And, yeah. Like, I think if I'm going to do Meisner, I've always maintained, if, if I do Meisner again, I'd like to do something where it's every single day. Right. Because the once a week shredding, and then I'd spend a week putting my walls back up, and then get shredded again. Yeah. And it was a year of trying uh, to 
allow myself to be there and it was too hard yeah whereas if I was in a class five days a week I feel like as awful as this sounds I feel like it would almost be easier just to like it's like training right like a marathon or something it's like you just have to every day like just something strength training or whatever I don't know maybe I'm wrong no I totally get that yeah so anyway my panic attacks came back and I went on this trip to Costa Rica by myself because that's what you do. Um, and it, I found out on that trip that I am a city girl. Sadly, I like my pavement. It's awful. I love nature, but I need yeah. four walls. Like, I just discovered all of that on this trip. And one of the things that happened was I was on this tour. Oh, my God. And because I was by myself, this whole bus was two-seaters. Like, for two... Like, as in... Sorry. Uh, it was two seats. So, yeah. people... It was for couples, basically. Yeah. And then there was one seat in the front of the bus... And it was on a raised platform, and it was bigger than all the other seats. And they had this huge rearview mirror. I'm not even lying. It was, like, at least a foot long. Like, it was the long, the biggest rearview mirror I've ever seen. And I was front and center in it. And I started to have a panic attack. And uh, I was like, okay, if you're truly feeling that something bad is about to happen, you need to tell the tour guide, yeah. you need to stop the bus. I think I'm having a heart attack or whatever it was that I was giving myself you and then you need to go to the hospital are you willing to do that and I was like no so it's not that that yeah and right? then all of a sudden it just felt like my panic went into this airplane and it felt like a luxury first class item and it just sort of went away oh interesting and on that trip as well because I was so panicked and anxious ridden and I'd never traveled by myself I mean and it was there for two weeks I made a deal with myself I was like okay here you go so during the day, you have to be present to this experience because you are in a beautiful place mm-hmm. and you are surrounded. Like I met, I met some wacky people, which is a story for another time, but, and I met some beautiful people there too. And, um, and I, uh, but the point is, is I was like, you're in this beautiful place and you're actually, I somehow chose a beautiful place to stay and I was going and experiencing wonderful things. And I was like, so during the day, you've got to be present to this. So if I started to feel panicky, I'd be like, look at the beautiful ocean, look at the rainforest, look at the, right. you know, feel right. the comfort of the seat, whatever. And then I said, and then at night, you are allowed to lose your shit. <laughs> when you go into your cabin, you right. can scream in your pillow, you can journal, you can, you can throw things without breaking them because it's not yours, you know, like you can, yeah. you can do all that stuff. But, but how did you know that's what you needed? I don't know. You just, you just tried it. I just... I had to I had to figure out a right. way to like survive this is before Murdoch this is before the no train. during Murdoch oh during oh yeah so because I, I mean Murdoch's been it's 12 years right mm-hmm. so oh, yeah 12 seasons 11 years yeah like <laughs> that longevity too a lot of people are like oh what's your problem you're working all the time well I'm not working all the but time but you're not working all the time <laughs> that's the but, fallacy it's I'm not working all the time everyone yeah. thinks that and and to be like I, I'm not working all the time but I always know that I, there's work coming. Yeah. So there's that. Well, do you, I mean, how often do you know when it's being picked up or you just know? Um, do you just have confidence now? <laughs> I mean, on Mr. D, we never knew until like a month before we started shooting. So. We were like that for the first five seasons. Oh, okay. And then I think once we started getting numbers, we yeah. became, uh, you know, it changed. So now it'll be like the, their choice to shut it down. Basically. Ba- but why would they ever? Well, I the mean... The fans would... There'd be a revolt. It'd be... Well, and we're getting... You know, we're season 12... Season 11, we were getting 1.2 was like our average. Yeah. 1.2. Like, that's insane. First show. So, yeah, but there's anyway. a false sense of security with that show for you, I bet, as an artist, where you're like, I'm kind of working. I have a show coming up. 
So then in the middle of it, you're like, I got to regroup. Yeah. And then you went to Costa Rica. Well, not really that I got to regroup. I chose Costa Rica because I heard somebody talk about this amazing trip they'd had to Costa Rica, and I went for it. I didn't go to regroup. Like, I'm not... Like, what were you looking for when you went? <sighs> uh, adventure. Um, I think that um, I loved... The, I had a romantic idea of traveling on your own, yeah. and I'd never done it. And I guess it was a new experience, I suppose. Um, I think it's great traveling on your own. You find out so much about yourself. You do. I mean, it's I- not easy. No. But I think it's valuable. It is valuable because there is, um, you get the opportunity to, you have to make friends. Yeah. So some of the people I was hanging out with were like Republicans. Like, as in they probably voted for Trump. Right. You know? What was that like? Difficult. Yeah. But here was the thing, was that I had to, I was by myself. There was five cabins. A lot of these people were Republican. And I heard their views on their first night. And I was like, okay, so, and I'm not, this is not a judgment. This was my thinking about myself. And it was, you can either sit in your cabin and be an angry liberal, okay, (laughs) and feel justified in your solidarity and and all that. Or, you don't have to talk about it. Like, you don't have to talk about the Find something else to talk about. Find something else to talk about. Find another common ground. And we had common ground. I mean, I watched football with them. They took me to see the Baruca Indians in the mountain. I don't think... They're probably Baruca indigenous people now. I'm not sure what the term they use. But anyway, and, um, and, you know, they... Uh, took me to uh, Sierpe, which was sort of southern Costa Rica, and and most of, they accepted me without it, right. without any any like they accepted me probably knowing I was actually an angry liberal. Right. Do you know what I mean? That right. I wasn't really part of their tribe. Like they were a group of Americans that came down. They go to this specific resort every year. They know the owners. So it's like. It's not, I didn't let go of my values or beliefs. Like, I didn't say, yeah, I agree with you completely. I just didn't talk about it. Right. You know, and I think that's the benefit to traveling by yourself is it's, and I, you know, I didn't, I was me the whole time. Yeah. I didn't suddenly get a Southern accent. Right. You know, and start (laughs) espousing Jesus. Right. Not saying all people from the South are like that, but, you know, I, I didn't morph myself into them. I was still very much me, but I just was like, okay, so this is where we disagree. Right. So I'm going to try and see your humanity otherwise. But yeah. And there's other things you can mm-hmm. speak on. Like, it's not just politics. No, and when they talk about something that I didn't agree with, again, I just didn't, I don't want to fight. Yeah. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to change your mind. So what's the point? Yeah, yeah. I'm not. So when you came back from there, mm-hmm. were you, because, I mean... This was in 2010. 2010. So, I mean, what has Murdoch Mysteries done for you? Like, good and bad? Because I think sometimes having a long-running show, it can be challenging, right? Yeah. And it's hard to say that out loud because everybody's like, don't you dare be ungrateful. And, of course, you're grateful. And the fans are incredible. And I see that. Oh, my God. You have such beautiful support. And the show's great. And all the people are fantastic. But (laughs) as an artist, like, it's not really what you thought you would be doing. So you have to sort of change your brain a bit, don't you? I think that, well, it actually, I'd always wanted to be on a period show. Is that I right? I had no idea it was going to be given. Oh, yeah, I always wanted to wear, like, puff sleeves. And, again, I'm a romantic, so I had a romantic idea yeah. of it, you know. Um, and now that I've been in corsets for a long time, like, this year I was given this sort of elasticized corset yeah. instead of the string corset. Oh and I was like, this is amazing. Oh. I just feel so fluid. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, well, no, I, I think the struggle, I, I'm 
like I've been able to create a character. That's which, what a gift that is. Hey? Yeah, like that'll never from, happen like again. nothing from nothing. From four words. Me, four lines. myself, I give to the writers. The writers have given back to me in spades. Yeah, you know, and um, so there's been that. But ooh, the work that I've had to do has been with ego because with. Like, I'm not a lead on the show. I'm a right. recurring character, which we understand business-wise. But to um, to people watching the show, they don't understand recurring means I'm actually not there very often. Right. And from a business standpoint, that means I'm not, you know, making a lot mm-hmm. often, mm-hmm. which means I've worked in the service industry on and off throughout the whole run of the show. That's interesting, too. Yeah, and I've been recognized, and I had to tell my boss once, like, can I take off my apron? They want to take a picture with me. Right. And I had to work through that and to feel like, well, they're not thinking, oh, poor her. They're thinking, oh, my God, I'm in a restaurant, and I, I just saw Arwen. Yeah. She plays Margaret. Oh, oh, my God. Like, I had a 13-year-old lose her mind in the restaurant when she realized I was serving her. So it was very funny because it was like, yay, take a picture. And then, would you like some more water? Right. You know, like, it was... Uh, so Where do you put that? Because that ego... That wrestling with the ego I mean I think we all do that that's mm-hmm. really hard um what the way that I see it now Sean Benson actually said this to me ages ago um he said to me exactly what I just said to you is they're not thinking about the fact that you're a server they're so thrilled yeah. to meet you and yeah. you have to treat it like that yeah that's your own stuff that, yeah. to get out of the way from right. there and then I go to therapy and then I go to my <laughs> mentors and my guides and all those people and then I deal with it that way privately but um, in terms of when I'm there I have to see it as I'm doing a service you know mm-hmm. to them and then it's you know so and I mean it's been so that's the stuff that I've had to work through is being in the service industry but being on this big show and, um, you know, like I was doing TIFF a few years ago and I was working. I had my dress downstairs and I, they let me go early. I ran downstairs, put on my dress, put on my heels and was at um, the ET Canada party on the red carpet wow. like half an hour later. Like if, I'm, if someone's in the U.S. and they get a recurring character on a, on a big show. Now, that being said, Gunther on Friends, he worked in the coffee shop the whole time he was on Friends. He worked at a coffee oh, shop. an actual coffee shop. Yeah. Not just doing research. Yeah, for yeah. Role no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, and there's those stories too, right? Yeah. There's Absolutely. They exist over there too. Totally. So, um, But he's getting residuals forever now. Yeah, totally. So he'll, he'll be okay. He's just fine. Yeah. But my point is, is that we all have to, as actors, you got to do what you got to do. And I think that, you know... Like, I was looking at some of the people you've had on the show, and they're, like, they're creating and creating and creating. And I, honestly, have always been a bit lazy in that regard, in that I, 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 like, I wrote, I finally wrote this idea I'd had from, I guess, a feature uh, last year, and it was too short, and I went, Yeah. You know, as opposed to trying to seek out somebody to look at it and whatever. So, I, I, I honestly... What's well, that I, disconnect for you? Like, because I know you're a visual artist, too. You're a I painter. Do. And they're beautiful. Like, the sketches you do, I, I'm such a fan of them. Really? Yeah, I really am. <gasps> like you. I went to your Instagram account, um, and it's just full Are of we? really... But there's, like, they're whimsical. I don't know. They're my jam for me. Like, they're whimsical and... Um, simple but beautiful and yeah I really like them thank you but now where's the disconnect with your creating because you obviously have the impetus to create those Mm -hmm. so why don't you put pen to paper and create something for yourself to shine in 
I just, you know, it's funny because every time I think about putting pen to paper, I never see it as something to promote me. It's a character, like the feature idea I had, like there's no place for me in that feature, oh, but I love the story. Right. It's a true but story. But then it's your, as a writer, then that's your, yeah, that's your role for that. And I mean, I've written my whole life, um, like I wrote. I mean, in school, and I, I mean, I've always had journals. I've had journals, like diaries, since I was six. Really? Yeah, and I've wow. got them all. Like, I have all of them. So I've always been a writer. Yeah. Um, I discovered that I could draw a few years ago, and I get a huge satisfaction love in that. Love Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's I love doing see, it. That's what I think. Like you just said, I'm, I don't write because I'm, I'm lazy, but I don't think you're lazy. I just think you haven't found the right venue. Like, because do you know sometimes they're like, oh, I gotta do that, and like I don't write easily. I have to, I write because I have to, but it's not something I'm like, oh, blah blah blah. So I clock the things that I want to do. Like uh-huh. I like, I really like producing. I really like researching. I really like doing this chat. So why not put my focus on the things I like doing? Like when I get a an audition, I love I love working on that with Matt. Like that's a really good time for me. Mm-hmm. I don't like. I don't know. Like, I don't like doing rewrites of a script that's already done. Why isn't it perfect the first time? But you know what I mean? So, like, if you're, you've got all these journals, maybe that's your writing. Your writing has been done for you. You just have to go and place it in the right way. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think you're lazy is what I'm saying. Thank you. I mean, I don't think I'm lazy. I think it's just that, well, no, I guess I do think I'm lazy. But I know that I'm, there's a lot that I do in a day that t- shows me that I'm not lazy. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, you know, with, you know, it's like the acting industry is like my husband. Like I've been married to it for a long time. I have no, you know, I was, I have, uh, I've had so many amazing experiences that have made me understand that this is a business and that it's, um, there's a grind and, you yeah. know, I love I I love preparing for auditions as well, especially when you get a really good one. It's like, ooh, ooh, ooh yeah. okay. Yeah. What do you? Uh, and you know, I'm definitely I, I'm happy to say that I'm out of the stage where I I think I my thinking is what they want. I don't think about what they want anymore. Yeah. I just think about well, this is me, yeah. and this is what I'm going to do, and it's either going to be completely off or completely on, but yeah. I've got to be able to walk out of there and be like, I brought me into that room. Love it. You know, yeah. so that's great. How did you get there? <laughs> yeah, well, therapy. So no, I mean it's what I've been talking about the whole time. I've yeah. done extensive. I've taken classes. I've talked to friends. I have mentors. I have. Um, um, Do you have any specific like turning points for you where you were like, oh, that's the way in? You know what it is. I used to seek out a lot of coaching for auditions and for um, when I got scripts. And you know how we were talking earlier about when I was 20 and I was running on instinct. Um, I think something, I and I think it's recent, it's fairly recent. This feeling I have is quite recent in that I, I suddenly realized, you know what, your instincts are right on this. Yeah. You've had so much coaching and counseling. It's now time for you to dig in and go, I know what I'm doing here. Yeah. And what's funny is my quality of auditions went up when I stopped listening outside of me and I started listening inside of me. Like, how does the script work within as opposed to going like, and I'm not saying, and part of that is because I've sought so much help 
that I have all... You've got it all. I've been given all the answers all within. But don't you think that even if you hadn't done all the therapy and classes and everything else, we have it all. Yeah. Like, we just... Somewhere along the line, we stop listening to our instinct. And I deal with this when I direct or, like, teach or something like that, and people are like, can I have some notes on Mm. that that scene or the improv that we just did? And I was like, well, you give yourself notes. Mm -hmm. And if you're missing something, I'll let you know. Because we've stopped, like, giving ourselves notes both of praise and of criticism. Mm-hmm. So then at the end, they're like, well, I didn't do this right. I didn't do this right. I'm like, well, tell me two things that you did well now, and then I'll step away. Because they're usually right. Yeah. But our instincts, it's not something that you can necessarily um, go to training for. Like, you just have mm-hmm. to train yourself for it. You know, and I don't listen to my instincts all the time. Trust no, me. that's a muscle, though. It is a muscle. Like, we have to constantly challenge it. And then, yeah. uh, and then you get kicked in the butt when you're like, oh, yeah. I didn't listen to my instincts on that. Do you know how many parties I've been to where I walk out of it and I'm like, what happened there? What happened? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, well, like why did you go in the first you, place? No, what? like, what What did you say to that person? Because I, I wasn't listening to my grounded self. I was listening to the person who was like, you know, I'm not good enough. So I end up saying, oh, I've said this, the cringing oh, things. The and worst. Like, you know, and also said things in ways that it doesn't, it, I mean, it is part of who I am because I did it, but at the same time, it's like, you know, oh, I can't even, I can't think of it right now, but just, I uh, let's it. just say, you know, like, that was really good, and the reason why I thought it was really good is like, what? That's wrong. You yeah, know? but that's mm-hmm. nerves, and that's like, oh, Absolutely, so and I've, it's, but even like, I've stopped. It's making me like all <laughs> At the CSAs, do you remember yeah. the CSAs a couple of years ago, you were doing commentary with people as they were coming yeah. in? So we were kind of riffing for a yeah. second, and then I kept going. And then, and I was like, and I could feel myself going, stop, the joke is over, stop, stop. And it was like, okay, that's good enough. And I'm like, yeah, it's just like that, but you get nervous and then you run your mouth and then you're like, yeah, you run your mouth and then, and then you walk away. And then that, that mind that's trying to figure out how to compartmentalize it goes, well, that was shit. So you go into oh that God. groove of that was shit. And then you and go make into, a repair. Yeah. And, and then, then repair. But the repair is always like, just accept that you're shit. Like that's the repair. <laughs> that's the best that repair. That's an awkward moment or. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I've had to learn how to do, but it's all been a learning process. Like it's, Oh my God. Like I don't, the, the thing that I'm happiest about now is that I hate myself less and and that I'm more grateful for being uh, me. Like something I've just started practicing is being grateful that I exist. Yeah. Grateful that I was born. Yeah. You know, like how hard a concept is that? Because we think like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Whatever. And it's like, or I can just be thankful that I'm here because I'm here mm-hmm. and it's not to say I'm here to do the things I'm going to put. I'm just here I got to wake up today yeah I got to eat today I mean you have a, do you have a calling do you feel like you have a calling hmm yeah I mean I think definitely acting is in my calling there's no question it's been far too it's, it, but this is the thing. There's been a flow, but challenges within the flow. Yeah. Right? So I'm given this great show, but I'm a recurring character. So I have to work through that feeling of I am a part of this no matter what my title is. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? 100%. Like, because it's been drilled into me, oh, well, you're just recurring. And there's a hierarchy on shows. Sure. And I understand why there's a hierarchy on shows, but I've had to accept. Like, the understanding's in my head, the acceptance well, is in my heart. Well, you started as a lead that an agent picked out of a show like it, it was hard to come from there to there right that's which lead well like when you were first discovered oh yeah 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 like it's not like you started at Murdoch 
No. Where you went, oh, this is recurring, and then you keep going up the ladder. You started at the top of the ladder. I started, yeah, I mean, when I first started, I was sort of one of the kids that was getting hired all the time, the 20-year-olds that was in, I was in the rotation, and in the last, since I've been back doing it, I've had to work my way up, and in the last, and I don't know if it's because I've been going to more parties, and that's kind of brought up my, but I've been getting in the last year at these amazing auditions which are equal to what I was going for when I was when I first started in the industry Mm -hmm. and that's after you know 11 years of being on the show so do you think that like parties and social media do you think that plays a big part in your in your career I think that it gets you into the conversation you know what I mean and for me my I like it because I really believe that social media can be used to stay connected yeah, I think you just have to see that it's 10% of anybody's life, you know? So it's 10% of my life that I'm giving you when I'm on Twitter. I want to tell you about what's going on with the show because, to be perfectly honest with you, that's what you want to hear. Yeah. You want to hear what's well, going on with the show. Well, you're a fan. You're a fan of the show, so you want to Who hear Who supported that. you being mm-hmm. a regular on the show. You want to give back to them. Uh-huh. Totally. And yeah. also, I just, wow, what an honor. Like, I can make someone's day by just being pleasant and saying hello and taking a picture? Okay. Yeah. That's done. Yeah, like okay, that's great. Yeah. And then, um, so there's that. Um, also, I love hearing people's stories, and sometimes you get you tweet something, and then people are telling you. And I'll be honest, I like a lot of them. I don't necessarily retweet a lot of them, but I read every single one. Yeah, and they're moving and lovely. I mean, um, and I think that in terms of my career. It's it's just it's part of what we have to do now. Yeah, it's just part. It's, it's part of it. It's just part of it, and it's I accept it, and I don't, and I think everybody else understands. You're not getting my whole life, but you don't really want my whole life because it's, you know. Well, I mean, don't they? I do. I love like that's why I feel like these conversations are so interesting yeah. because there is such limited information mm-hmm. online. Like I, whenever I research for any of these podcasts, I come out with like the Q and As of like what makeup you're wearing mm-hmm. or like and you're like okay that's one aspect that I've learned but there's not a lot of in depth like this is why this is so interesting to me because you know your fans love you from from one angle yeah and I will say that my fans one thing I love is they seem to like me a lot mm-hmm. yeah not just the fact that I'm on the show yeah you know because I am only me I don't have a social media person doing anything it's all me trying to be you know, hip and down with the lingo, and so it comes out... I think out. you're doing well with being hip and down with the lingo. Really? <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you call it hip and down with the lingo? Hip and, well, I don't know. That's, I mean... Yeah, well, obviously, I'm, like, totally... I'm on top of all of it. I'm so hashtag LOL. So hashtag LOL. Um, but, no, I mean, it, it. I like it. I just like it, and I like the fact that um, I can share certain things. It's hard, though, because it's, like... Uh, in my 20s, when I was in my darkness, I um, I uh, posted about this. Anyway, uh, I tried to commit suicide. And so when Anthony Bourdain and um, yeah. it was in the same week and Kate Spade died, and I went, holy, I've yeah. got to talk about this. Yeah. because And not just post a phone number that you can call, but be able to say, like, I went there. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and it wasn't glamorous and it's not cool. And the thing is, is if you can work your way through whatever it is that brought you there, 
Um, and I have had, I've known a couple people who have actually committed suicide and it, and it, and it happened for them. Mm -hmm. And, um, I can tell you that the love that I have seen at those memorials have been explosive. And each time I've been like, I really hope, oh, just talking about it. I really hope you're here and you can see that like how loved you are. And I understand there's clinical depression and that, you know, our chemistry yeah. and all that kind of stuff, but it's like, in my experience, I went to a place where I felt that lonely and I was able to come out of it and it's, 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 you got to do it. You got to mm -hmm. work at it. And, um, anyway, that's why I felt like it was important to post that being said, um, I don't know if I want that to be because a lot of the things that happened to me and who I am, like my spirituality and all that kind of stuff, it's part of who I am, but it's not necessarily what I want to be defined as. And social media can be very, this is what sure. I represent. I don't, I don't want to be particularly uh, a spokesperson for anything because it would require me talking about things that I don't know how comfortable I am yeah. talking about. So that's Which what I mean. your prerogative too, right? Right. Like and that's also, when people feel like they are obligated to speak, they also have the right to not speak. A hundred, yes. And so if you want to speak about suicide, that's within your rights. Yes. The Anthony Bourdain thing struck me so hard because it made me just realize that nobody, like, nobody knows no. Right, nobody knows what's going on in other people's lives, and nobody is has a superpower against darkness. No, you know, nobody. And the thing is, is it's this isn't about things. It doesn't matter. It really, really, really does not matter how successful you are. No. It doesn't matter if you have a beautiful home. It doesn't matter if you have all the right clothes and do all the right things. At the end of the day, where what's going on in here, and there's. It doesn't matter how much you're loved by other people. Like, you know, the work that I had to do once I stopped partying required that I kind of understood that... Because um, I went through... There was a period I went through anger because I didn't feel like I was being given what I should be given. And, you know, like I hadn't found a partner and I was struggling and having a hard... You know, I was rebuilding my life and it was... And I was so angry. And it's slowly, it's just what I've come to realize, especially, you know, working in the service industry and being on a big show yeah. and all that stuff is that on my best days, let's say this, okay. because it's not constant, but on my best days, I'm able to see that all that matters is whatever this thing is that animates me is what's providing for me today, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, I am that my job, my job is really just to uh, practice kindness, compassion, yeah. and, and, and um, try and help connect with somebody else, you know, whether it's a cashier, like really recognize whoever it is. And I don't want to say cashier because that's almost making it sound like it's beneath and it's not. It's about recognizing that we are these two unique beings mm -hmm. and connecting with that. And so, uh, uh, the thing, it just, it's just not about things yeah. and it's not about like there's so many egoic things that I wanted, like doing a red carpet and yeah. um, um, uh, wearing nice clothes. And I still struggle with that. Like I really related to when you were talking about trying on all those dresses with Danny and Juno. Oh my God. And just like that thing yeah. where you just feel so inadequate and... Yeah. And it's also not what I'm about. Like I don't... I just... I like my job. Yeah, me too. I, I really like do, but I feel like this is something that we have to do in order to stay current. Yeah, but it's not my favorite thing. It's not mine. I mean, it, 
it's not mine because I don't there's nothing worse than you go like I really like the people I've met I love fashion Mm -hmm. so right so if there's a passion behind it then you should tap into whatever passion you have totally but at the same time when you go to you know a fitting or you go to one of those amazing places where there's all this beautiful stuff and you go oh my god I love that skirt and then you're like in the change room going See, that's it. Like, I do like fashion. I just yeah. like fashion that makes me feel good instead of bad. Yeah! Like, when I was like, that's a beautiful skirt. And then I put it on, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm a tubby lady. <laughs> yeah, but, but I'm not. I feel good not. usually, so... But that's the whole thing. This is it, is that, you know, I really wish... And I was thinking about this the other day. I really wish when somebody lose, lost, loses weight, I really wish people would stop saying, you look great. I mm. would love it. Only be, And I understand that if somebody's done the work and they've worked out and they've... Uh, like absolutely complimenting yeah. them on the work they've done. Like yeah. that's wow, you've really worked on. You this. look really healthy. You look really healthy, or you look like you're happy. Like you know what I mean? As opposed to you know, some people lose all the weight and they're still not happy. No. So the two times that I've lost the most weight were two horrible times. Right. So three years ago, my whole life went. <laughs> so I turned an age. Okay. And my whole life exploded. And the only way that I was able to find some kind of control in my life is I controlled my eating and I started working out all the time. Right. So I went whoop, down into nothing. Yeah. I went, you know, and people were like, wow, you look great. And I'm like, yeah, I am practicing um, an eating disorder right now. And I work out an hour and a half a day. Yeah, I'm very unhealthy. I'm very unhealthy and sad. <laughs> yeah. But everybody was like, you look great. You look great. Yeah. The second time that I lost a ton of weight, which was two years ago. Um, but I lost way too much weight to the point where people were like, have you been sick? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I also started to look kind of, like, I look at the pictures on Instagram, and I remember trying to find the right angle so that you couldn't see the parts of my face that didn't look like I had a constant bag yeah. under my eyes. And um, But again, people were like, you look great. You look great. I mean, a couple people didn't. But I just, I would love it if we could, like, in fashion, and it's, and the great thing is, is we're moving in this direction. Yeah. Like, I think it's an incredibly exciting time to be a woman right now because we're being allowed to be us in a way that um, hasn't been. We still obviously have those old constructs because those don't go away easily. No, no. I mean, we were in corsets 100 years ago to get that look. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel aging in this business as a woman? How do I feel aging? Scared. I feel very scared because... You know, I haven't been working at a job for 20 years that has been stable and has been quietly socking away right. in various places. Um, I so financially work, scared. I'm financially scared. And also, I don't... Is it? Is there going to be a drop-off? Like, because I took that time off, quote-unquote, um, my resume reads. Like, you know, there's women my age who stayed right. when I left. And they've got <sighs> resume. Yeah. And... Um, Will that factor in? Because the parts, as I understand it, as I've been told, there's less and less parts, but we're all still there. Right. So, um, and I, uh, so I'm scared of that. Um, I, you know, was talking about something like about Botox with someone, um, and I was like, I think it's a fact of our our business that we kind of have to at some point, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe we don't. Like, there's people who don't. But there's a lot of people that do. And I'm not advocating this. But at the same time, I feel like um, it's a debate that I never thought I'd have. Yeah. You know? Like 20 years ago, you wouldn't have thought. Adamantly against it. Yeah. 
adamantly against yeah. it. I will never. Right. I will never. And then the thing is, is if I'm so speak thin, my face sags. My face sags. I got to do stuff because right. I got to go on camera. And like you were saying earlier, like the business of, I'm not saying this is your business, but like the business of Arwen Humphreys mm-hmm. is that my face when I lose weight, tends to do stuff, right. which means I have to consider because if I'm being of service to the people who are producing the shows, right. they need something that looks nice, Yeah, you know, and I may not age, like Judy Dench looks amazing, you know what I mean? Well, it's uh, your genes, right? You look at your, your past and that's what your future is. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so I but know... It's just a lot to like process, right? Yeah. It's a lot to figure out so that you can do what you love doing. Mm-hmm. So then putting all that aside, like when do you feel you get to just do what you love doing? Uh, you know, like we're uh, preparing for auditions, being on set, mm-hmm. um, getting the gift of being on set is pretty amazing. I mean... Being a woman of this age in this industry, I'm excited because, like I said, I think there's stories that's being created for us. And so we'll put aside the fact that, you know, the resumes and my own experience and all that kind of stuff. I think um, that if we keep going the way that we're going, um, there'll be opportunity. In my ideal world, I'd love for us to have opportunities everywhere, like in directing so if somebody's an actor and they want to be a director, they can do that. Yeah. I mean, Murdoch, I love the fact that I think half our directors every year are women. Oh, that's like, fantastic. It's incredible. Yeah. And um, I was just directed again by Leslie Hope, and she's oh, amazing. Yeah, I've heard great things about her. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah. Because she's ferocious, but she in that she, she is a powerhouse on set. Um, but, God, she makes me think... She doesn't let me that. just fall into a scene. She's like, like she said this thing to me. She said, uh, I can't remember what I said. She said something. Oh, what was the scene? She said, I can see you've got all the beats right in the scene. Now I just want you to look at him. Right. Just look at him. And yeah. I was like, oh, I was tying up with shoes. I'm like, oh, so what you're telling me to do is be present. <laughs> right. Got it. Got it. I just forgot Easy. about Easy. Easy. On it. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I worked with Leslie yeah. on Murdoch. It's my third time working with her on Murdoch. And um, anyway, it's, uh, I don't know. I How is, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I also don't know. It's like I telling my 13 year old self, you have no, you know, you're not going to believe what happens next. Yes. Do you have that vision for yourself in 10 years? Yes. Yeah. Because if I keep doing what I'm doing and I keep trying to grow and evolve and change and learn and cry and laugh and, oh my God, flop on my couch and be like, you know, what was that? Or jump into my room and be like, oh my God, what was that? Yeah. Then life will only change. I don't know what direction it's going to go in. And I think, you know, you do the fur, the, you do the footwork, you let go of the result. Yeah. You know, just what you've been saying all along about the coaching and the therapy and everything else. And then just like trust and then trust and yeah. you fall. Is there something that you um, haven't done that you still want to do in your career? I mean, of course there is, but what yeah. is it? Or in life, not necessarily just in career. Do you have like something that you're like, that's like, uh, that's a carriage for me. I'd like to create uh, more pauses. I'd like to in your work. No, God, no, not in my work. In like myself, mean? like as in, I'd like to create more quiet spaces oh, within okay. myself. I think, but that's I like I mean. just creating more pauses. Yeah. Like I think that's a great thing to have in your mind. Like the little mini pauses in a scene. Oh, yeah, but the that's quiet. What, that's what the made quiet. me think. Yeah, the quiet. I'd There's like so much to, can go on in that, right? I'd like to play. Um, 
one of the exciting things about getting older in the industry is I'd like to start playing, um, I don't know, matriarchs. I'd like to start playing um, warm women. I want to start playing, I think I'd like to play, I'd like to play a f- well-rounded woman. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, a, I, I want, um, like... Uh, I mean, Margaret's that, don't you think? She, she Oh, totally. She, oh, but like in a in a modern capacity? Way. Oh, in a modern in a mo- I just, I think I'd like to do more modern work. Yeah. I mean, I've done a ton of period now. Yeah. I can do period, but I haven't done a lot of, you know, contemporary things. Yeah. And so um, my agent's submitting me for some awesome stuff and I'm getting some good feedback. And it's it's sort of fun because it's, it's fun for me because it's uh, modern. And so I can kind of... Uh, uh, I can, I've learned how to let rip in a period way, but, you know, it's just, there's a looseness yeah, to no now. Yeah, there's no corset. There's no corset, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, no, I, I, I just think that, I don't know, I'd love to just play, I want to play. That's it. Yeah. I want to play. That's your um, improv history, right? Yes. Like, you must always have that instinct of just, like, I need to play. Yes. Like, and I feel like Murdoch sets are probably fairly play- playful. Yes. And fun and there's room to play around there but yeah well and now especially because I've been on it for so long they I'm allowed to say can I try this yeah can I do this and they're like okay because typically I like I love having conversations with directors like you were saying earlier about when people say can I get notes yeah and you're like you know you you figure out what you did yeah. and it's almost like let's have a conversation yeah like like that, an equal conversation. Exactly. As opposed to, what do you think? What do you think? Yeah, and then as a director, it's you guide the person to, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Like a good director, the ones that I've, I've loved, yeah. are the ones who will go, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it, do it. Show me, show me. Yeah, show me great. what you're talking about. Don't great. talk about it. Just show me. And then I do it, and they go, either fucking right, yeah. <laughs> or, or they never say wrong. They just kind of go... That was great. I'm not sure. Let's just try it this way. Yeah. You know, so it's... But sometimes it's the mini step before the big step, too, so... Um, Yeah, absolutely, so... Um, I don't like this part, but I have to... Because I could talk to you for another three hours. Thank you. And it's it's delightful. This is been It's so fun. And I know that, like, I I hope you understand, like, all the stories you tell will be such a a, a strong reverberation for people to hear. Like, and I also love that... People will know you past a stupid Q&A that's on Now Magazine. I love Now Magazine. We'll edit mm-hmm. this out. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's such depth to who you are that I'm so excited to share with people. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so, the, I always try to wrap it up by talking about things that you're inspired by. Um, whether it's a book or whether it's a podcast or whether it's a TV show that you're really jazzed about lately. Lately? Uh, Carolyn Miss. She wrote a book called Anatomy of the uh, Spirit or Soul. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, I'm really into right now um, learning about um, where things sit in your body in terms energy of wise? energy and and you know if you're feeling illness or um, like what energetically is going on. Like if you have a back pain, it's because you're shouldering too much or something Perhaps. like that. I mean, maybe. I'm I boiling guess. it down. No, of course that... you are. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, in essence, yes. Yeah. I just, um, I'm a big believer in, uh, like, I, a big, I've said that so many times, but I have a lot of beliefs. Um, in, it, uh, I like pragmatic 
spirituality. And I, I want to read people that are speaking in a very pragmatic way and, and almost in a way that I can, it's, it's not airy-fairy, it's, it's like solid. And so I'm just interested to understand, even as an actor, like sitting and going, where does this sit? Mm-hmm. Like Ray does that, Ray Ellen, that she's all about that. I love that you like grabbed a coach to go deeper with your character on Murdoch. I don't think everybody would do that. I just love that you, you do that. Thanks. And it's a voice coach, too, which isn't something that you would nor- normally go, oh, that's going to help me develop a character. Well, she... But the thing about Ray is that she makes you connect with your body. And I really believe that all of your stories live inside of you, mm-hmm. right? And so whenever I'm working on an audition or Margaret, I'll use Margaret, obviously. With Margaret, I wanted to get an understanding of who she was because... I had an, I had a feeling about her the moment I read those three lines. Mm-hmm. It's basically she discovers a bomb in her house, and or what she thinks is a bomb. So Thomas and Brackenrita Murdoch, she they she greets them at the door, and she says inside uh, Thomas. Then she says inside, and then she says, "Come here, boys, and let your father be." And I thought, I remember thinking like, well, she wouldn't freak out about this. Because she's an inspector's wife. Yeah. So she's been dealing with a, yeah. a, a vibration of fear her whole marriage. Yeah, smart. And so I didn't play it like, <gasps> I just played it like, Thomas, inside. Right. You know, and then come here, boys, let your father be. Like, we're just going to go upstairs and hopefully we're not going to die. You know what I mean? Yeah. And And so um, with Ray, like, so something in me knew that. So with Ray, she just helped me to go deeper with that. Like, who is this woman? Who? What's the inside? I, obviously, I'm somebody who just believes really about the insides. Yeah. And that it all's there. Every answer you need is inside. Everything. I agree. You know? Yeah. Right? Because yeah, where totally. have your greatest moments come from? Yeah, from inside. But it's the matter of, like, quieting everything down so I can hear what my insides are telling me. Hence the pauses. I want to oh, create yeah, I more love pauses. That. I love that. Okay, so then we know what your advice was at 13, which was you can't... You you're don't, not going to believe You're never going to believe. What's your advice for your 60-year-old? 60-year-old self? So if I was 60 and... Or telling my 60-year-old yeah, like self? like, what do you think is in your future? I look forward to hearing your wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much. I just... I honestly could talk to you forever. Thank you so much for spending Ditto. time with me and for all the stories and... It's a real honor. It's such an honor. It, it, the feelings, I'm getting goosebumps. The feelings so mutual. This has been, like, I've always liked you, and I've, I mean, you and Matt are, like, two he's people. Okay. He's That's okay. He's okay. No, I'm not saying he's any good. <laughs> I'm just saying you've always been a part of my life yeah. in this very peripheral way, and I, this was great. I know, okay. I know. I really value these um, podcasts for the sake of, like, seeing you peripherally and then being like, no, let's have a deep conversation, and it forced us to do it, because we wouldn't... Like, why else would we, really? So Well, no, because, I mean, it's not... We, like, before this moment, I'd really... It was always parties yeah. and around. Oh, and, and like, pa- like, who would be at a party going, we should totally go for coffee. Yeah. Which maybe we'd say, but it's, like, really loud when we're saying it. Like, we should go for coffee. Totally. Yeah. Ah! And then we yeah. all run away from each other, you know? So I feel like this is great. This yeah. is... this Me too. Me too. Me too. Me too. And that's Arwen Humphreys. I know, right? You love her. How can you not love her? She's just got such a um, great vision on the world, and she just cares so much. That's the thing that's consistent with these interviews. People just care. And makes me care, too. So go on over to the Twitter world and give Arwen Humphreys a follow. It's at Arwen Humphreys. Super easy. Uh, let her know that you had to listen to this podcast and that you think she's fantastic. And let's just strengthen this community of Firecracker Department members and see what we can do. While you're over there, give us a follow. 
at firecrackerdept. That's Instagram and Twitter. Again, if you want to reach out and let me know what you're working on, I would love to see clips of things, artwork. I'd love to see it all. Throw it on the Facebook page or send it to me in an email, firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com. And let's get connected. Special Firecracker shout out to Second City Training Center in Toronto, who gave us a great room to use when we have our Firecracker meetings. We so appreciate that. If you ever thought about improvising or just trying it out, give Second City Training Theater in Toronto, or they also have places in Chicago and Los Angeles, and give it a shot. What have you got to lose? Thanks so much for listening, everyone. So great to have you here. Special thanks to my Firecracker team of kick-ass gals. Thank you so much for all your support. Couldn't do this without you. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter to find out all the latest news. We're doing giveaways. We're launching Firecracker Adventures. So much stuff going on, and you want to be in the know, you know? Go on out there and get creating, and then let me know what you're creating so I can support it. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Naomi Snegas, and this has been the Firecracker Department. Firecracker Department.